Uh, go with me to Ephesians 4. If you can find that book, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, also, Matthew chapter 10. That would be the second place. Ephesians 4 and Matthew chapter 10. I want to talk to you today about how to do church right. All right, we're doing church. How, how can we do it right? Obviously, I'm implying there's a way to do it wrong, and there is. Uh, but how can we do it right? Church believers are supposed to gather together. All right. One of the very, by very definition of the word church, it is the gathering together of the called out ones or the ecclesia. It's when we get together that God does amazing things. And on the contrast to that, it would be wrong then for believers, for Christians to not get together. Uh, we are not supposed to do life alone. It is an unhealthy practice to be a Christian, but to be isolated from the rest of the body of Christ. And uh, I know that some attend churches and attend church services with some degree of regularity, but they still lack the proper understanding of what this relationship is supposed to look like. Um, what we are doing here today is of God. It is, it is the right thing to do. Now, I don't mean that we do it perfectly. I don't mean that we are uh, perfect in all of our execution of God's uh, assignments, uh, and I don't think that's ever really going to be the case. You're not going to have a perfect church when you have people who are in it, people who are running it, who are all a work in process, right? <laughs> We're all growing and increasing and, and so forth. Uh, nevertheless, what we are doing is God's idea. All right, uh, this is not of human origin what we are uh, involved with today. Now, in discussing some of these matters with different uh, staff members over the last few months and, and, and talking at times about what it really means to pastor people, uh, at the same time, what does it mean to be pastored? Okay, I've found it very interesting, but multiple leaders um, uh, in different settings and different conversations have said to me that people don't know what you're, what you're telling us. They, they, they have said uh, they, they don't know how to be pastored. They don't know what to do or how to do church right. And my thought is I immediately go through my catalog of the things that I've taught already. And I think, well, seven years ago I said this. And, uh, you know, it was only like 12 years ago when I said this. And uh, doesn't everybody get that? <laughs> Don't they know that? And uh, anyway, I, 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 it's very interesting to me to hear that. And, and my hope is, is that everyone who comes to church here would get a ton out of it. Uh, I don't believe church ought to be irrelevant or boring or dead or dry or anything of that nature. It ought to be something very significant and powerful that adds to our lives and to the lives of those around us on an ongoing and consistent basis. And if it's anything less than that, here's the way, here's the way I look at it. We're doing it wrong. 
because God's intent and his original design and plan was that this would be a powerful, life-changing gathering. And so I think we should try to, you know, milk this thing for everything it's worth, get the most out of it that we possibly can. And so I want to read here from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 11, or actually just read the, ver the 11th verse here today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, and he himself, that's Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, this list is what is frequently referred to as the fivefold ministry. Okay? These are ministry gifts. God places them in individuals so that they can carry out part of the assignment to minister in the earth today. And there, there are five gifts. The last two are kind of tied together, uh, pastor and teacher. But other parts of Scripture show us that they are yet distinct at the same time and separate gifts. And so this is the fivefold ministry. Uh, the apostle is a preacher or a teacher that is a sent one. The, the apostle is one um, who is often sent out to a particular group of people or an assignment. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, okay? Uh, sometimes missionaries sometimes fall in that category. An apostle will often be one who starts uh, or pioneers local churches, Okay, the prophet is a preacher or teacher as well. The, all of these are, are speaking gifts. They're preachers or teachers. Um, but they basically, the prophet is one who has a lot of revelation gifts in his preaching or teaching on a consistent basis. The Old Testament, they call them seers. All right, New Testament, that still applies to the prophet's ministry. They will be, uh, I mean, others can be used in revelation gifts, but that is, that is a pre pre predominant part of their, their ministry. An evangelist is one whose primary ministry is to win the lost. Okay, they are a magnet to sinners, and people respond. They share the gospel, and there's power there. They win people to the Lord. A teacher, obviously, is one. Who teaches, <laughs> right? A teacher is one who explains the Word of God. That's different than, for, for example, like a, like a school teacher or someone who can teach some other subject. This teacher is specifically one who's called and anointed to teach the Word of God, to teach the principles of God's kingdom. So that's a special gift and calling. And then, of course, the pastor is what I'm focusing on. Uh, the pastor is also a preacher or teacher, usually a teacher, who stays with the people. It, the, the, the Greek is the same word for shepherd. We think of a shepherd and a sheep. The shepherd stays with the flock, okay? Meaning uh, the, the, the pastor is the one who has oversight in the local church. And that's the primary and most simple definition there. Now, it seems to me that there is the greatest need for pastors, Meaning, there's the, the need for the greatest number of ministers. We need a lot of those called to the pastoral ministry. For example, if I was an evangelist, I might go into a place, go into a, whether a church or a stadium or a field, uh, we could conduct a meeting, and you might, you might see a thousand people respond and receive Jesus instantly and be born again. Now, how many know that really didn't take, other than the setup for the event, that didn't take very long? They preached, they responded, they got born again, it's done. Now what? 
<laughs> well, now you need pastors. And the evangelist gets them saved, and that takes that much time, and then there's the rest of their life, and that's why you need the pastoral ministry to uh, help people to grow and mature in the things of God, to be raised up in, 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 in the Spirit and in the Word of God so they can be discipled. Now, I am a pastor teaching about this gift today. All right. Uh, I'm qualified to speak as an authority, but I, I also realize that if I don't talk about it, no one else will. Who's, I'm the one doing the talking. So I need to, it's necessary for me to speak about the very thing that I is. And if that seems self-serving in any way, it's not. I'm not here for you to serve me. I'm here to serve you, okay? But I must, in order to serve you effectively, I must describe and explain from the Scriptures uh, what my job is and the proper response to it. Otherwise, you know, I'm just unable to pastor or unable to lead or guide people or ha have people benefit from the gift that I'm, that's in me, the calling that is upon my life. Amen. All right, so let's get going. And, uh, and then turn over with to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Similar things happen, you know, at times I, I, I need to teach about giving. And then I take up the offering. <laughs> you know, and some people think, well, you know, there's like a vested interest. Well, obviously the offering doesn't go directly to me. Uh, you know, but uh, there's still a need for me to do the talking. There's still, you know what I'm saying? There's still a need for, for, for me to do the, the teaching along these, the, these lines. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, I want to begin reading here in verse 40, Matthew 10 40. Jesus talking here. He's the red letter man. The only one who speaks in red letters is Jesus. It says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Uh, just stop there for a moment. You notice that language removes this mentality where a person says, I just receive directly from God in all matters. I don't receive or need any other person. I have the Holy Spirit myself, and so I don't need anyone else. Well, Jesus explained that some of what God gives comes through people, and if we do not receive people, we do not receive Him. So we ought to be very, very slow to say, well, I don't like that person. I love the Lord, but I just don't like this, and I'm not, I can't receive from them. You might be cutting yourself off from God in that mentality. So Jesus uh, taught us this principle of delegation here. Verse 41, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And, and so notice here how he explains this. He doesn't just say he who receives a prophet receives the prophet's reward. Did you notice? He said he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. 
In other words, a person could try to have a relationship with the ministry gift of a prophet, and they think, hey, I'm receiving here, everything's fine, but they're not seeing that person in the proper light, in the proper way. They're not receiving them in accordance with that gift. Therefore, the gift won't work for them. It won't benefit them. See, there, there is the receiving of a person, but there's a receiving of a person with a gift that makes the difference and in accordance with that, with, with that gift. Everybody okay? All right. Uh, likewise, it, it would be true about the righteous person. There are certain benefits. You can read scriptures. I don't want to take the time today to see the perks and the benefits and the rewards of those who are righteous. Well, if I receive someone in that light in that name, then I benefit from that as well. Uh, it it kind of works like this. Uh, if I receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, then the, the prophet's gift will work towards me. In other words, he can prophesy to me. Right? This example here is not meant to be exclusive to the prophet and the righteous guy. But Jesus, they, they don't even know Ephesians 4 yet. It hasn't been written. I mean, Jesus does, but you know, he knew the principles, but they didn't know about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so he says this in relationship to the prophet and to the righteous person, but it would be right and proper for us to fill in the, the in-between. And you could add any other ministry gift in there as well and say if you receive the pastor in the name of a pastor, you will get the pastor's reward. But that would explain to us, in part, that it is possible to not receive a pastor in the name of a pastor and therefore cut off or limit God in, as rega in regards to the, that gift working in our lives. And, of course, you know this, anything that the Lord puts in place, it's here for our need, for our benefit. We cannot just set it aside and say, I don't need that. We don't, take, we don't say, ah, church, church, smirch, whatever. I don't need that. I'm saved. I'm fine. No, you're deceived, dude. There's something there God wants to do in you. And, and if you treat it like that, you're cutting off that blessing. Yeah. And when it comes to receiving from the prophet, when it comes to receiving from the pastor, there is a right and proper way to look at this, to receive, to allow that gift to work. Now, receiving a pastor um, is more than just calling someone by that title. Receiving someone is more so about giving permission to use that gift. It is more so about giving um, an opportunity to speak with a weight, with a value and seriousness that goes beyond just anyone speaking. Everybody okay? When the right place is given, that gift will work for our benefit. Likewise, uh, we could talk about submission. Yikes, huh? Everybody okay? Submitting to leadership is a part of this system, God's plan. And when someone yields, because that's never forced, when someone yields to that, they're giving place for God to work. Right. If I were to stand here 
and, and someone came up and, and maybe I was standing here and they wanted me to stand over there and they came and pushed on my shoulder, I have an option. They could gently push and I could go, oh, yeah, okay, cool, is that good? Or I could go, and they could push and I could resist. A lot of times there's the Lord's nudgings that happen in our services. And some people dig in. <laughs> you know, and some people go, are quick to give place. Which one do you think we ought to do? <laughs> if you're being pastored, let me, let me, let me say it in some other ways. It's more than a t attending a church occasionally. If you're being pastored, it's more than attending a church regularly. If you're being pastored, it's more than becoming a partner, or in some places like a member. Uh, if you're being pastored, it's more than giving your tithes and offerings. Obviously, there's a lot of good things in there, but it's more than that. Receiving a pastor is about the place that you give that person or that gift in your life. And here's some of the challenge. You, you know this to be the case, though. God has committed, he is committed to using imperfect people to do amazing things. He calls imperfect people like myself all day long, and he knows ahead of time what he's getting into. And he still expects us to acknowledge and recognize the perfect and pure gift inside of an imperfect vessel or someone who's growing and so forth. Yeah? And so we all have that challenge with one another. We see outwardly, and we've got to be spiritual enough to see what's inside and recognize the gift of God and the anointing in their lives. Praise God. Now look over at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy. Now Timothy was a pastor. And Paul, as an apostle, as his father in the faith, actually, uh, was writing a letter to Pastor Timothy. It's why this is called a pastoral epistle. Um, obviously, I'm not preaching to pastors, per se, today. Uh, but the principle still will help us to understand what it means to be pastored and what we are to receive. And he tells Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1, I charge you, therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Notice the next part. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, pastor, Here's one of the things, here's, here's some of the ways that you need to act and some of the ways that you need to lead your church. You need to, of course, preach the word. But he said, convince. Convince. This is not a picture of some kind of uh, milk toast message. It's not this watered down, just doesn't bring any conviction, doesn't bring any, any stirring, doesn't, you know, it's not so soft. Convince them of the ways of God. Convince them of truth. Convince them what they need to do. Yeah? I, I see a strong message here. 
There's times to just explain things for sure. There's times to explain principles, and there's a time to be very convincing in our, in our ministry. He says to rebuke. How many are excited about that word? <laughs> what was Timothy supposed to do? Rebuke people. Now, say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because it's in the Bible, that's why I'm saying it. But uh, here's the other side. If someone is to be pastored, are you ready? This is part of the equation. Sometimes there needs to be some rebuking. But how many people would have no nothing to do with that? Bless God, I'm not going to be rebuked. I mean, I went there. I huh? thought I was going there to be encouraged. This is part of the big picture. I mean, who wants to be rebuked every day? None of us do. Who wants to rebuke every day? No one wants to do that either. But part of the picture is this. Sometimes people need to be straightened out. But you know, you can see why some people can never be pastored. You can see why some cut off the blessings from their life because anytime something's said that's strong, that's even confrontational, that gets in their business, <clears throat> well, I don't like the way he said that. You think about the disciples of Jesus. I mean, he's Jesus. Like, Jesus is kind of a nice guy. And sometimes, you know, when they would get into doubt and they'd start saying, you don't care. What are you doing? You know, on the sea and, when he, and all this, you don't care. And, and Jesus got in their business. And he rebuked them big time. Did he love them? Yeah, if you didn't love people, why would you ever bother getting on them? Because you'd let them go, go do their own crazy, funky things and ruin their own lives. But if you love people enough, sometimes you get in their business. But at the same time, you know, when the culture around you says, don't let anyone say anything, cross <laughs> to, to the way that you think and just accept everyone's ideas all the time. But then people cut off the ability to be pastored. Everybody okay? He said to, it said to exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Ex exhort means to, means to urge someone to do something. Urge someone to action. How many know we're not just here to gain understanding? We're here to be moved to a place where we're doers of the word and not hearers only. All right? Very, very easy and comfortable just to sit and listen. Hide in the crowd and, and, and fine. You want to do that? Fine. But you're not going to reach your highest and your best. You're cutting off some of what God wants you to do. And I know part of my job is to exhort. I need to tell people, giddy up and do something for God. Knock this off and let's go this direction. Is that kind to say that? Absolutely it is. But the question is, not should there be convincing, rebuking, exhorting. The uh, question is, will you receive it? Everybody okay? See, I'm just answering questions here. People said people don't know how to be pastored. People don't know what it means. They don't know how to respond. And uh, I'm telling you. Say, well, I don't really like this. Well, that's why I'm talking about it, because there are people like you. <laughs> and at least at the end of this, I can say, well, at least I told them. Amen. I mean, no one's going to make anybody do anything. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Just a right turn there, Hebrews chapter 13. And notice with me over here in verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. I'm just giving you a few verses. There are a gazillion verses we could look at. 
talk about this all month long. Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey those who rule over you. Now, how many don't like that already? <laughs> Pastor, like half the words in that first phrase, I don't even like those. I don't like obey, I don't like rule, or over, or, or you. <laughs> I think I like the word who. I like the word. <laughs> obey those who rule over you. This is a scripture. He's talking spiritual uh, uh, leadership here. Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive. Submissive. So that's not our favorite word either, but yet it's there. This is a part of the relationship. It's a part of the equation. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would, for that would be unprofitable for you. Notice the language here. Spiritual leaders watch out for your souls. They don't watch out for your spirits. Your spirit gets born again, and that's your spiritual relationship with God. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. One of my jobs is to help you renew your mind. To think right about life, about God, about eternity. Yeah? This is one of my, my assignments, is to watch out for your soul. So I'm going to stand before God one day, and I'm well aware of this. This is very heavy. This is a very big deal. I'm going to give an account for what I did with your soul. What did I say? What did I do? What did I put in there? How did I help people in, in, in their life while here? I have to give an account for that. Now, ultimately, just like the Holy Spirit is not one who, who pushes, who forces, who makes us do things, as a pastor, I'm not interested in trying to make people do something. I'm just here to lead. Best I can do is say, hey guys, here's the deal, here's the plan, here's the word, here's what thus saith the Lord. Come on. Come on, let's go do it. Come on, let's go do it. And if someone doesn't want to do it, I know I can stand before God and say, Lord, I did what you told me to do. But I'm teaching today for this principle so that we can see the other side of it. There is a, ne a necessary yieldedness, a necessary submission. Amen. Even the word obey is in there. How many know that comes into play when we want to do one thing, but we're told to do something else? And that's the time when a lot of people are out of here. They told me I need to do this. They, I, I don't have to listen to that. No, you don't. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> but I'm saying there is a better way. There is an honoring of God's, of God's uh, ways, His gifts, His plan for the local church. It's not something that stifles or controls us. I'm not interested in controlling anybody. I want to teach self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Teach you to yield to the Spirit. But there are times when we need to say things and they need to be followed. Uh, submission is a voluntary thing. Uh, it's never forced. I know some have come out of churches and situations where there have been very controlling and manipulative, uh, manipulative leadership, and, and your mind goes there when you hear talk like this of obey and con submission, all that. Your mind goes to that. Listen, there's always going to be extremes and people who have done the wrong thing, and I'm not talking about that. I'm not addressing that um, abuses. I'm just explaining this is what the Word of God says. This is the way we're supposed to do things. 
Amen. I know there are some Christians who throughout their spiritual lives, throughout their Christian lives, they go from church to church to church, and they'll be a part of this one, then a part of this one, then a part of this one, then a part of this one. And uh, I can just tell you from my perspective, and I've been doing this for a while, and I'm not trying to control anybody, uh, a lot of that is fleshy. A lot of that is not spirit-motivated. Sometimes it's offense-motivated. Sometimes it's, uh, there's a whole number of things. But a lot of that is not really God. And uh, I just want to shoot people straight so we can do things the right way. Uh, um, I know a while back there was a, uh, a couple that came to me, and, and they said, uh, we're leaving the church. I said, okay. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I wish you the best. And, uh, and others were asking me, some staff members and so forth were asking me about that situation later. And they said, do you think that was the right decision for them? Do you think they were making the right decision? I said, no. They weren't. They were missing it. I said, well, how come you didn't tell them? I said, because I'm not their pastor. I don't know if I ever was. They were in the church for many years. I don't know if I was their pastor because they weren't asking me anything. They were, they're just informing me. And I'm gonna, my heart's going to be right before God, and, and I'm not, I don't hold anything against anybody. Someone leaves, I don't have any ill will towards anybody. That's not good for my health. <laughs> or any other part of life, right? We just don't do that. But that doesn't mean they're making the right decision. That doesn't mean they handled it in a proper way. And there are times when, the, you know, when things are right and it's spirit-led and, and, and God's in it, but there is a proper handling of things. And, and when someone just he says, you know, pastor, 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 but they don't ever, they're just, this is what I'm going to do. This is, my, this is what I'm doing. They're never asking any questions. They're not really pastored. Everybody okay today? <laughs> Some of the indications to know if you're really receiving the pastor in the name of a pastor and therefore can receive the pastor's reward is if you just pick up and leave, then uh, you're, you, you've never received a pastor. If you can do that, you've, you've, never, you've never even started that pastoral relationship. If you can say like that, like, like that illustration that I gave you, pastor, I'm leaving. Well, then they're not your pastor. You just told them. All right. Start the car. Uh, <laughs> good being with you today. Uh, listen, <laughs> listen, I recognize that some have received me as a teacher. And I'll teach you. I'm just saying, and we'll do that. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn anyone, try to force anyone's hand, make anyone do anything. I'm just saying there's another relationship that's available, and it's God-ordained. If not me, then who? Should be someone. And I, you understand when I say me, I can't be everywhere at once and, and do everything. We have an awesome pastoral team here, Amen. and we, I pastor through them, and there's a lot of good things. You understand what, how, how, how that works. Uh, but one can just attend church services if they'd like. However, you can do that. You can do that here if you want. However, you will limit the work of God in your life. You will limit the potential of what he wants to say and do and guide and direct in your life. Totally, you will limit that. 
And just so you know, go on in. All right? And now I get to say to my, I get to say to my staff, okay, I told them they all know this now. Do you know? I mean, I know we just covered it just a little bit, but this is, this is in a number of places. But if we're going to do church right, church needs to be valued. This must take a place in your life that's heavy, it's weighty, it's important. It's not, I'm going to do church if nothing else is going on. You know, some treat it like that. Okay, so, pastor, is this that rebuke thing you were talking about? <laughs> I don't know, is it? It doesn't have to be in a, in, a, in a loud voice. But if someone, if church is just on the, on the back shelf, and when I can do it, when I have time, when nothing else is going on, then we slide in, it doesn't carry much weight with you. It needs to be priority, meaning, meaning there are some things, we have, we have all kinds of things to do with our time and our energy, and this gets bumped up the list and we say, this is more important than other things, and if I have to cut something out, it's going to be that before this. Right. Yeah. See, this is how to make church work. Does it seem like I'm demanding things of people? I'm just telling you how the system works. I'm just telling you how, how God's kingdom works. That, that's a lot of what we do. You get born again, and then for the rest of your life, you find out what happened when you got born again. You find out who you are in Christ, what you have, what you can do, what you can... But you find out God's system of working in and through amongst what he calls a body. The body of Christ where Jesus is the head. We've got to figure this out. Amen. But it must be a priority in our lives. And there is a real part of this whole relationship that's needed. Everybody ready for the C word? Commitment. Commitment is a real thing, and a lot of us don't, and I'm not encouraging people to quickly commit to a million things. No, for sure you commit to the Lord, you commit to your family, but commitment to the local church is one of the keys that makes it work. Because when there's a commitment there, you will get through the hard times. When there's a commitment, I say to the church, it's not to the building, it's not just to the organization, it's to the family, it's to the people. When there's a commitment there, then, you know, there's something about the ring that keeps me committed, you know, I mean, there's more than that, but there's something about the commitment of a husband and wife that says, yeah, I mean, there may be days where you're ticked off at each other, or you don't feel this or don't feel that. I know, but huh, I said, but we're committed. And when it comes to the things of God, when, when he leads you, when he guides you, you say, Lord, I'm committed to this. Uh, and, you know, until you say otherwise. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God is good. But I want to ask, uh, and I hope you take all this in the right way. There's always that person that's grumpy that doesn't want to, but, uh, you know, who can speak into your life? Who can speak into your life even if you disagreed, but you, you, would, you would accept it even if you disagreed? And if, you know, our minds want to go to the furthest extreme and think of some outrageous situation. Yeah, there I am. Uh, <laughs> but who can speak into your life? And, you, and, and, and their, their word carries that weight with you. And if we'll, if we'll have that in the right and proper way, you know what, we're allowing God to do things in our lives that he wouldn't do in another, in another way. Amen. Amen.